0: welcome to the connected mom podcast where we have real conversations that hopefully help you connect more deeply with god more empathically with your fellow moms and more intentionally with your child now i'm a mom of four different kids and 14 grandkids now and each of them are different how about you sarah
1: oh my gosh yes every i am amazed at how unique the lord is that every child is so much different <laughs> right? he doesn't he doesn't put anything the same i mean it's it's so cool and we know that there are extroverts and introverts in, in all families but i think one of the questions we're asking today is how do we help our children who are maybe more introverted and extroverted and how do we f- help them feel affirmed in how god designed them
0: yeah, I love that question. So I got to tell you guys, I have read the most powerful book this year, oh. and it's by our guest today, Holly Girth. And I read the Powerful Purpose of Introverts, and I, I have to tell you, this book is shockingly powerful. Hmm. I mean, it just Holly has done such a great job with this book. I couldn't put it down. I ordered it for my daughter-in-law, and it it is just a wealth of resources for you as a mom wealth of resource and so our guest is holly girth she is a Wall Street Journal best-selling author of many books. She's a counselor and a life coach with a master's in science degree in mental health. Holly is the host of More Than Small Talk podcast, is the co-owner of the Potentialist Agency. She is also a mom and a grandmother. She doesn't look old enough to be both of those, but she is. And we're excited to talk with her today about helping our kids who are introverted by design. So welcome, Holly. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here with you. Hey, I'm glad to have you here. I've been so excited about this podcast, Holly, because as I say, this was one of the most powerful books I've read all year, and I've read a lot of books. Uh, so Holly, help us understand, like, how would you personally define an introvert?
2: So I would say an introvert is someone who thrives more with less stimulation coming at them from the outside. So for example, an introvert might love a really deep conversation with one person over coffee, or they might love to curl up and read a book or focus deeply on a project they're passionate about. And so we have a lot going on internally all the time. But sometimes when there's a lot going on externally, it's not quite as good of a fit. So I would say it really has nothing to do with how much we love people or small talk. It just happens to be that humans are the most stimulating thing in our external environment. And so that association has been made. But really, it's just about where do you thrive so if you think about like different types of plants one plant likes a certain kind of weather and soil and conditions where it can thrive and a different kind of plant wants something different where it can accomplish the same thing so that would be my definition
0: That's good. I love that.
1: I know I've heard from introverts that some folks struggle with social anxiety. And I know you wrote a bit about that in your book. Can you explain what social anxiety is and how we can help our kids who wrestle with it?
2: Sure. So social anxiety is fear that is triggered by certain social situations. Mm -hmm. And it can be experienced by introverts and extroverts. So you can have an introvert who's totally calm and you can have an extrovert who's struggling with social anxiety and so it goes to both types but i would say social anxiety is something i personally struggled with my whole life (laughs) even in third grade i used to always go to the nurse or You know, need to take a break, hide out in the bathroom for a little bit, even though I love people and I feel like I have a thriving community in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I think for mamas who have a little who might struggle with social anxiety, first of all, just normalizing that because it actually comes with some really deep strengths. So Mm -hmm. kids who struggle with social anxiety also usually have deep empathy, Mm -hmm. they care about everyone in the room and think about that in our world today like i almost get a little teary over that Mm -hmm. like in our world where often so many people are dismissed or overlooked like you have got a kiddo who is saying i care so much about the people around me that it deeply affects me Mm -hmm. and so empathy often goes with social anxiety these kids often grow up to be leaders because they're so good at reading a room Hmm. Mm -hmm. They often are very observant, good with details, whether details are reading the expressions on someone's face, you know, that everyone else misses, or doing a deep dive into a spreadsheet, depending on how they're wired. And so I think you start by saying, you know what? God created you with an extra sensitive nervous system. And that means you are tuned into people like few others are. And that is your superpower. Mm. And sometimes that means that you feel things so deeply that you get scared. And I want you to know that is okay, And we're going to figure it out together. But there is nothing wrong with you. This is a gift that God has given you. And every gift we have comes with potential struggles. Mm. And so we are going to maximize the strength side of this. And we are going to help you manage the struggle side of this but you are not going to be alone in it and so I think that's a big part of it mm-hmm. because kids who have social anxiety if they think they're not supposed to have it get more anxious so a lot of it even is normalizing the response they're having and even putting a different positive perspective on it like this is a tied to a strength you have mm-hmm. and then I would say becoming aware of what situations trigger it because it's not usually universal it's like I'm great when I have one friend over to play. I don't like being at noisy birthday parties, you know, and so saying, okay, what are the triggers? And then what does my kiddo need in order to not let that sort of baseline anxiety escalate to the place where it's interfering with life or the activities we want to do and so it might be if you're going to that group birthday party your kid needs to be there 15 minutes early so they can scope the place out oh. and figure out where the pets are in the bathroom and uh-huh. you know find their one little buddy that they might sit close to you and so that awareness the knowing triggers and then when triggers happen say it's okay. I'm here with you. We're going to figure this out. You know, what do you need right now to feel safe again? Mm -hmm. So I think those are some, some steps that you can think about if you have a kiddo who struggles with that.
1: What are some of the ways we could notice that a child has social anxiety? Would you say are like the top signals to look for? Yeah,
2: I would say if they are hiding, literally, (laughs) depending on their age.
1: Yes, you know, I have one that does that. uh, Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. So if they are hiding, Uh
2: um, that is one signal. If a teenager hiding might look like, and this could be hard because they do this a lot anyway, but looking at their phone the entire time, Mm -hmm. not engaging. Mm -hmm. And so that is one signal. And I would say another is physical, you know, signs, like some kiddos might even shake a little Mm. or they might Mm. blush or they might stutter more than they want to when they Mm. speak, or they might do something that's a nervous, you know, like they're always swinging their leg or tapping the, you know, table with a pen. Like, is there any nervous behavior going on? And so those are some of the sim or, being resistant to certain situations, but you don't know why. Mm, like mm-hmm. they're just crying and saying, I don't want to, or even angry, I don't want to. And so I think resistance or safety seeking, which resistance is a form of safety seeking because they're saying, mm. I'm trying to say safe by not going at all. <laughs> so <laughs> right. look and say like, My kid's confusing me right now. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) Is there a safety-seeking behavior here? Mm. And if so, is there a different safety-seeking behavior that we can swap out for one that maybe is not working so well? You know? Mm. So your kid's, like, banging the pen on the table all the time, and it's annoying. (laughs) Well, they might need to wear a bracelet they can snap on their own wrist, and it doesn't Mm -hmm. bother anyone. Mm. And so I would say, yeah, like, in what situations is my child – displaying safety seeking behaviors and how can we provide solutions that meet that need that help that little nervous system, but maybe don't interfere with anything like some of the other behaviors they go to naturally could at times.
0: That That is so intriguing, Holly. Man, I feel like we could talk with you for hours. So let's say that I, I, I've heard this from a bunch of moms. So they have an introverted child. That child goes to school and holds it together all day in school, mm. never gets in trouble, quiet mm. as a mouse, comes home And then there's a massive explosion. So if you have a child like that, how do you help them in that moment without losing it yourself?
2: Yeah. Well, I think first is understanding what's happening and that is your kids hit their nervous system done point. Mm -hmm. And so all of us think of a time when you were just, you're done. Like you cannot take any more. We all get to that point and some of us get to it quicker and introverts can get to it quicker because our nervous systems are nuts with like tiny holes where we pick up everything around us. Mm -hmm. And so by the time that kid gets home, their net is full. And so it seems irrational to add one more thing to it and the whole net breaks. But that is what is happening. Mm -hmm. And so most introvert kids need a transition period when they get home from school where they're allowed to go in their room or wherever their safe place is and be quiet and have no more stimulation coming at them because Mm -hmm. that lets them empty their net. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. then they're ready for more. And so I would say talking with your kiddo about What do you need when you get home from school? This might even mean on the ride home, there's no music in the car and there's no talking in the car. You know, Mm -hmm. it might be that they get five to 10 minutes of silence when they get in the car just to gather themselves, you know, and so they're ready for more. Or when they get home, they're allowed to go to their room for whatever amount of time is age appropriate you know, managing their schedules, even how many activities they're engaged in. And so I think understanding that that is a pretty natural thing, that they're just really overstimulated and building in some time where they can catch their breath guilt-free, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's yeah. part of their rhythm mm-hmm. of, daily life even protecting them from siblings or you know whatever the dog whoever else might be like (laughs) hey you're here let's you know let's play Uh but just even naming it in your house like you know whatever it is quiet time or whatever it looks like but just building rhythms into your life and even giving them permission to ask for that to say mm-hmm. I need a timeout. maybe that's not a good one because usually you're in trouble in timeout <laughs> but <laughs> I need you know whatever time you want to want to call it. And so that's really what's happening is they have just they've given it their best, you know mm-hmm. they have they have taken everything their little system can handle and they feel safe enough to not just keep taking it. And so I think building in time for them to, restore their little nervous systems can be helpful.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. In your book, you say that anxiety, we've talk, been talking more about that, I think, and excitement are similar. And that's very interesting to me that ex- anxiety and excitement could be similar and both can involve a fight or flight instinct. So can you explain a little bit of that to us?
2: Yeah, so if you look at anxiety and excitement from a neurotransmitter biological perspective, they're very similar. Just one involves fear and one doesn't. Okay. You know, so that I think we can get mixed up a little bit, especially for a kiddo. All they know is I'm feeling something really intensely, and that often can feel like fear, that can be the assumption for kids is I'm scared, but sometimes they're excited. So even saying like, are you scared? Are you excited? You know, Uh do you want to go to this party or what's happening right now? And so even reframing for us as adults, for example, speaking Triggers my anxiety. <laughs> it does, but through you would the never years... know that, are <laughs> so
0: articulate. Go ahead.
2: Well, this is okay. This feels like an intimate conversation. Okay, but you know, getting up on a stage yes. in front of a thousand people—sure, obviously, we most of us feel some anxiety in that situation. Mm-hmm. And so, if we can say to ourselves, "Okay, yes, I'm scared, but I'm also excited." You know, like I, those two are kind of mixed up together mm-hmm. and knowing that when we feel fear, it's usually because whatever situation we're in involves something we really care about. Mm-hmm. So even digging into that for your kiddo. So yeah. say they're really scared to go to a birthday party, you know, for some reason and saying you really love your friends. You really care about what they think of you you really want this to go well and you're afraid it might not like helping them identify. I'm not scared of people. I'm scared because I really care about something connected to this situation Mm -hmm. and then tapping in to say, but I bet you're really excited to see your friend Joshua that you play together with at school. And so then they could say, yeah, I really do want to see him. So you're sort of taking that energy that is attached to fear and reattaching it to excitement so that their nervous system is still in the same gear, which is revved up, but it's refocused on something that isn't fear-based. And so acknowledging, okay, you're scared. This This really matters to you now what are you excited about can help Mm -hmm. kids transition a little better than you're scared, calm down, because it's hard for them to regulate their nervous systems when they're in that revved up place. So it can be an easier jump to go to equal emotions. Mm -hmm. So fear is an intense revved up emotion. Excitement is an intense revved up emotion, helping your kid transition from Fear to excitement can be easier than fear to I'm completely calm and at peace with everything in the world.
0: <laughs> mm. Yes. Wow. That is so interesting. <laughs> I Okay. So one of the things you say in the book, Holly, is that both extroverts and introverts experience awkward moments and shy moments, which... Definitely, I can see that. So, how do we help our kids? You know, because especially those that are a little more introverted who might be struggling with shyness, we don't want them to come off as aloof or not friendly. And yet, we want to honor their introvertedness. So, how do we help them with that? Like when they're meeting a new person, how do we help them? say hello when they're just, I don't want to say hello or whatever, you know, how do we help navigate those moments?
2: Yeah. So the shyness is fear-based where introversion, again, is that preference for the less stimulating environment. So that's helpful to know that distinction that introvert kids aren't ne- necessarily shy. They're often just observing. Hmm. That's usually what they're doing when they get told, I mean, I've been told my whole life, you're so quiet, why don't you smile, you know? Oh, and I always get sorry. off like caught, I get, no, I get caught off guard by it because I'm like, oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm just observing, like I'm taking everything in and I'm content. And so, one one difference i found in my research was that introverts and extroverts experience happiness differently oh, wow. and huh. so extroverts experience it as enthusiasm and excitement it's a very outwardly expressed emotion introverts experience it as calm and contentment so it's a very inward emotion so a lot of times people will just misinterpret an introvert kid who's calm and content and observing And so that is one just thing to know. But I do realize there are social situations where you need your kiddo to step up and, you know, engage, be polite, introduce themselves, interact. And that's good for them. It's good for them to know that they can step outside of what may feel the most comfortable. And so I would say what I find, there are a lot of people in our culture that we would not think are introverts. So for example, Oprah Winfrey is an introvert, Mm -hmm. a self-proclaimed introvert. So is Jerry Seinfeld. Um, There's Joanna Gaines, you would not think she's an introvert. She totally is. Mm. And so I find that introverts tend to be a lot more comfortable when they know their role and have clear expectations. Mm. And so Oprah knows she has a job to do. Joanna Gaines knows she has a job to do. And so she's able to do that because she knows, okay, this is the role I'm in. This is how I'm expected to engage with people in this situation. So if you can help your kid learn the job of engaging socially in a way that they clearly know what's expected then usually they can get more comfortable. Hmm. Usually it's the unknown that Hmm. makes them nervous. And I would say this goes for extrovert kids too sometimes, you know, that it's the unknown. And so if you're able to say, you know, we're going over to our new neighbor's house tonight. And what we want to do is to be neighbors who love them really well. Let's talk about what that looks like, like loving neighbors say, hello, my name is Ashley. I'm so glad you moved here or whatever's comfortable for your kid. You'll know the script that makes sense for them. You don't want them saying things that aren't (laughs) authentically them or saying, and then helping them say, okay, you know, introduce yourself. And then it can help to tell someone a story about something you really care about. So how about you tell them about your turtle that you love so much? And then it's kind to ask a question. So you could ask, what's something you're curious about? You wanna know where they moved from or if they have any pets, what would you like to know? And then before we leave, it's kind to say, thank you for having us over to your home and let them sort of learn, learn the job you know, with you and have some scripts that they've already rehearsed. Mm-hmm. And then that can help them feel more comfortable. So often when introvert kids unintentionally come across as aloof or shy, it's because they've been put on the spot mm-hmm. and research has actually shown they did brain scans of extroverts and introverts and extroverts use a shorter, faster pathway for processing. That's why extroverts tend to be really good at that social small talk and, you know, being at a dinner table and sharing stories and responding quickly on their feet. So introverts use a longer, more complex brain pathway for processing more of the time. And that means they need a bit longer to respond, but when they do, they often bring a lot of context, to the response. You're often like, that kid really thought about that. (laughs) You know, like, where did you come up with that? (laughs) You've clearly been thinking about this. And so that's an introvert kid's strength. But if a stranger comes up to them and tries to engage them in that really quick banter, they have a freeze. You know, that it's a physical thing where their brains go into temporary lockdown because Mm. that's not the way they're wired to engage. And so what can help with that, again, is preparation, really clear expectations, helping them have some basic scripts, just what do I need to help them not feel put on the spot or caught off guard? And then usually they can take it from there. So once they're comfortable, you know, they'll probably find the person they connect with or the pet or whatever it is, and then they're fine. So usually they just need more preparation and more of kind of a, a runway than an extrovert kiddo might hmm.
0: okay before sarah asks her next question so this might have made me a bad parent i don't know holly <laughs> but it's all done now so i used to pay my kids for the job you know so we would yeah i had one who was afraid to say hi and my husband was the pastor of a large church you know and every Sunday people would say hi to her, but she would hide behind me. So I finally learned to carry a bag of Skittles in my purse. And I would say, if you just look at them and say hi in return, I'll give you a Skittle. So then she would say hi, and then she'd put her hand out to me and want a Skittle. And when we would go to people's houses for dinner, I would remind them, okay, when we leave, you have to say, thank you for having me. And then I would pay them a quarter, you know? And so payment helps. I love that. I think you literally made it a job, I mean, right? you know, like
2: jobs come with payment. I love that. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a brilliant strategy. Yes. A
1: little bribery never hurt anybody, right?
2: Yes,
1: <laughs> Toward the right script. Yes. I was thinking that that um, my parents, they, they didn't follow all of these strategies, but there's one I remember that if I was in public and my, my dad was with me, say we were in the store walmart or something and i would see someone and i'd almost hide you know my first instinct wasn't to say hello it was to be like oh did they see me kind of thing and i remember it wasn't perfect but my dad was like if you see someone you know you must say hello and it was like oh and it was because my first instinct wasn't to do that and so now it's funny because even though i am more introverted i any place i go into i kind of expect now that there might be somebody i know even though that wasn't really you know my natural bent but it's become a joke because my husband we're in a small town kind of where i grew up uh, moved back here and he's like you always notice people like how did you know that and I said well my parent I mean it's kind of how my parents raised me to to notice people right so it it does I, I guess I'm sharing that because there is hope right for all of us that when you, yeah. you're an adult that- and I didn't get a skittle Becky I kind of wish that was part of <laughs> <laughs> but it was and like- that's a clear it was just like turning that yeah. like no we say hi it's like oh okay you know, and that was about it. It wasn't like I had to have a, a full on conversation, but that's interesting. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. And that your parents helped you understand this is what we do in this situation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so then that is less scary than oh, someone I know. What do I do? What do I do? You know? Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Exactly. And so
2: yeah, they taught you that's the job. That's you know, that's the job. <laughs> that's the job of being our family that in this term. town you know?
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's neat. I've never thought of it in the, in that framework before, but I was like, I guess that's what they did. They gave me a job. I love it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Awesome. So if a mom is more extroverted and her child is introverted, sometimes there can be a little bit of a rub there, understanding mm. your child and learning to give them the space to respond, what would, what would you suggest about that kind of stuff? How do you, how do you parent an introverted child if you're extroverted without stressing them out?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I have not been in that scenario, but I've been in the opposite. My (laughs) daughter is an extreme extrovert. Uh, And
0: so. Interesting.
2: (laughs) Yes. Well, tell us about that. (laughs) Yeah. So, oh yeah. So And we have an unusual family situation. We adopted her when she was 20. She aged out of foster care. Mm -hmm. She's now 30. Mm -hmm. And Marion has two kiddos. So I get to be Nana, too. But we have had a lot of conversation about this specific topic. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one thing that it's important to talk about it. And to also maintain a posture of curiosity Mm -hmm. rather than conformity. So to come to those conversations saying, how do I help you become more of who God created you to be, not how do I help convince you to become more like me, (laughs) which is all of us naturally do that, introvert or extrovert. We all have a part of us that thinks if everyone (laughs) would just do it the way I think they should, the world would be a perfect place. (laughs) You know, like that is human, (laughs) no matter our type. And so I think just recognizing that, that's not, you know, that doesn't mean anything's wrong or bad. Just knowing the natural human posture is to want people to conform to our image rather than God's. And so coming to those conversations with posture of curiosity and a question that we like to ask in our family a lot is how can I love you well right now? Mm -hmm. Because we tend to love each other the way we think We need to be loved. Mm -hmm. And so for, you know, introvert and extrovert, that matters because one type is likely to be continually, you know, pushing for more connection. And one is likely to be saying, okay, I love you. I just really need to catch my breath and understanding what that looks like. I think it's also can be helpful to think of connection in terms of, quality versus quantity because the reason introverts need to have time alone is that so that we can show up a hundred percent for our people when we are in the room Mm -hmm. and so I kept trying to keep social pace with my daughter who has endless energy like that's just one of her you know gifts and she's just she can go and go and go and I kept trying to like okay I I need to keep pace with her. That's how she's going to know I love her. And over time I realized, you know what matters even more is that I'm able to be fully present with her when we are together. Mm. So that means like on a, if we go on vacation together, you know, I just told her, Hey, I love you. I want to do everything you want to do. I'm also going to need a nap, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And then she gets to say, and I really care about adventure. So after your nap, I need you to go do this really fun (laughs) thing with me. (laughs) You know, and we both say like, okay, how can we each get our buckets filled? And those conversations will look different depending on the age of the other person for, a five-year-old that's going to be a very different conversation yeah. but I think that posture of curiosity and even that question how can I love you well right now can be helpful and then some intentional you know strategic planning for things that might be stressful like the holidays you know mm-hmm. introverts and extroverts need very different things during the holidays mm-hmm. that is a yeah. high stimulation time of year And so it is such a gift if you can say to the introverts in your life, you know, what do you need for this to be enjoyable for you? Mm -hmm. And they might say, okay, I need some silent nights in there somewhere. And then Mm -hmm. the reverse, you know, extroverts, what do you need? Well, I need to feel like we are having fun together and creating memories. And so if everybody's able to articulate again, those expectations ahead of time and strategically make a plan where not everyone's going to get everything they want, but hopefully everyone can get what they need to do whatever it is in a way that's sustainable for Mm -hmm. all involved, then I think that can help too. And then affirming each other's gifts. You know, I try to tell my daughter, like she struggles with ADHD, and I've told her, I told her yesterday, I would not take that from you. Because I Mm -hmm. see so many of the strengths that come with it, your energy, your ability to reach out to people, your, you know, just follow through on things. And so even affirming the differences between us and people who are different than us, Mm -hmm. I think can be helpful to you.
0: Yeah. I, wow. I am looking at the time and I realize we are out of time and I really want this conversation to continue. Um, so I think they should all, all you mamas out there, you really need to get Holly's book. I mean, seriously, Mm -hmm. the powerful purpose of introverts, because it will review a lot of what we've talked about today. But Holly, you also have a journal that it would be helpful for moms called... Introvert by Design. Tell us a little bit about the journal before we close out.
2: Yes, yeah, so it is a guided journal and it's to help you go from feeling insecure about being an introvert to fully embracing who God created you to be. It has insights like I've some of what I've shared today and then space for reflection, scripture, prayer prompts a lot of practical tools as well so this would be actually great to go through with someone else in your family Mm -hmm. like a mom and daughter or two sisters or even the whole family at the dinner table but I think especially maybe a mom and daughter Mm -hmm. could really benefit from going through this together and just having those intentional conversations no -hmm. matter your types whether it's introvert introvert or introvert extrovert. But I hope that it's a journey that will take people from sometimes I feel insecure about this to I know I'm intentionally created this way and I want to share it in ways that help other people too.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that so much. So we're going to have these resources in the show notes. And where can our listeners get in touch with you, Holly? They can find me at
2: hollygirth.com. Okay.
0: Okay we will put that up as well. Man, this has been so enjoyable, Holly. I just can't thank you enough. I think it's been so helpful for our mamas. I'm going to close us out in prayer. And I just want to pray blessing over you because this has just been extraordinary. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for Holly. We thank you for the amazing resources that she has created. And we pray over every mama out there that's listening. We pray that you would give her wisdom through this podcast about how to best relate to her child, whether that child is introverted or extroverted Lord. And we thank you for the way you designed each of us in Jesus name. Amen. Hey friends, thank you so much for joining us today on the Connected Mom Podcast. And I feel like this episode was so powerful. I really wanna encourage you to share it with your friends. Maybe gather a group of moms, listen to it together and then brainstorm about how you can connect a little more effectively with your child. So thanks for joining us today. And we hope that you'll join us again next week for another conversation, helping you to connect more deeply with God empathically with your fellow moms and intentionally with your child. Thanks for joining us. Hey, all you moms out there. This is Becky Harling, and I love creating resources to help you connect more empathically with your child. One of those resources is a book that I wrote called How to Listen So Your Kids Will Talk. One of the greatest skills you can cultivate, really enhance that connection with your child, is the skill of listening. So how well do you really listen? This book is loaded with practical ideas to get your kids talking and to help you as you listen. You can buy it wherever Christian books are sold. You can order it on Amazon or anywhere else. So I hope you'll get a copy of the book and put the work into listening to your child.